may not have a film fixation, but we're here for a noir education. Beebidi-boo, doot-doodle-doo, deebidi-pow. Welcome to A Real Education Noir. I am Melissa, and I'm here with... Tanya! And we have a stunt alley tonight. So tonight we have special guest star, David. Hello! <laughs> so we are at the Heights Theater, as you can hear in the background. We have the organ player playing, and we are here to see a movie called Chinatown. So David is the one of us who has not seen this movie before. So David, what do you know about Chinatown? I know... I think I know that Jack Nicholson is missing a nose. Excellent. And I know that there is an expression. <laughs> it's Chinatown, or this is Chinatown, or something like that. There's an expression that I should know, mm-hmm. but I just realized that I do not know actually what that means, besides being a lament. Or... Forget it, Jake. It's Chinatown. Yeah. That is the phrase you're thinking of. Yeah, probably the most famous line from this film, and it's taken on a whole new meaning in the, <laughs> the, the years intervening. So, yes, uh, you're correct. Uh, Jack, Nicholson's, Jack Nicholson is in it, and grievous things do happen to his nose. Um, it's a 1974 movie directed by Roman Polanski, and oh my, there are things to unpack there. A little bit, yeah. But uh, it's a... It's one of those movies that came out of um, the fact that in the 1970s, the 1970s were very much in love with the 1940s. Mm. (laughs) So there was this whole little rash of nostalgic films for the 1940s, and therefore there were also all these kind of pseudo-noirs or, you know, like neo-noirs coming out of that era, and and Chinatown is probably the best-known one. Mm. So it's it's an interesting film, and we're going to see it on the big screen. I'm very excited! Yay! Yay! I haven't seen this movie in years, so I'm I'm excited to revisit it myself. It's gonna be so fun. Bouncy, 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 bouncy. <laughs> Tanya is very very happy. Did you have any uh, additional thoughts, Tanya? I know you, uh, um, this is a favorite of yours. I love the houses. Oh Cause, cause yes, they're just gorgeous little tiny things, and I and then they're well used in mm-hmm. the movie, and and. Yes. <laughs> and I, yeah. I, I can't say more stuff without spoiling it, so I have to wait. Tanya is literally bouncing, so uh, we're going to go get some popcorn, and we're going to go watch the movie, and we will be back afterwards to discuss it. So please, listeners, go find the movie for yourselves, and uh, we hope you enjoy it too, and we'll join you after this brief musical interlude. Chinatown. <laughs> so I, good. So good. It is so, so good. good. It's so dark. 
So very dark. So, uh, David, you are our newbie. What did you think? What are your immediate thoughts about the film? Oh, immediate thoughts. Oh, it's a very good film. Um, I really liked that it kept me guessing, even though I should culturally be totally aware of all the things that were going to happen. I totally no. was not. Just did not... Uh, not prepared for... Not prepared for Chinatown. <laughs> Well, you were saying at the uh, just after the movie that you had seen the the mother daughter mother daughter thing. Yeah, I swear before, I've but... seen in in sketches and in comedy references, probably you know as old as many listeners are alive, uh-huh. where they would would be slapping someone for some reason, and they would just for whatever no reason suddenly say. Um, they're my daughter, they're my sister, they're my... Just start saying that, and I always just took it as a... Oh, they're referencing something that seems kind of funny. Um, and I guess it's funny in a way that it's, it's ridiculous, that he just starts slapping her to get... And she had already kind of said, and then he slapped her some more, and she just repeated herself uh-huh. of the truth still. And then, like, a little bit more slapping and throwing to for, like, good measure. And she's like, well, well I a, said it. You know. I suppose. Forget it, Jake, it's Chinatown. <laughs> and now you have context for that too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the um the that particular phrase kind of became a thing in Hollywood particularly. It's like shitty things happen in Hollywood and it's like don't take it personal. That's the way the industry is and it's shitty and it happens to all of us. So It sounds like a kind of, of way of saying well, uh, if you're using an example of Hollywood, it sounds like it's a way of saying Oh yeah, privilege is just the way it goes, and you just have to say say yes to it, kind of a thing. Yeah. Of like, doesn't it? Isn't it a bit like well, that? Well, well, well when you like, say that's the way it's things kind of go like in everybody goes through the meat grinder. Don't take it personally. Uh, yeah, that doesn't it, make it better. It doesn't make it better. I, I at mean, all. it is it is that sentiment of like, yeah, you know, rich old creepy white dude still gets the girl. Because uh, yeah. he did. And he's uh, do... That's how fucked up is that? It's the like... worst scenario possible, kind of, right? Yeah, pretty yeah, much. Yeah, yeah, like yeah, everything yeah. because the water rights are still gonna get fucked. The the city is still gonna get pushed mm-hmm. out. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. the farmers are still gonna get swindled out of their land. Yep, and Faye Dunaway's dead, and the daughter winds up with John Houston. And yep, and ooh. who? Uh, I mean, why wouldn't he do the exact same thing he'd already done when he's specifically expressed like, "Yeah, yeah, I'll just do whatever I want," kind of a thing. And it's oh, like literally, he just got done saying that, and then he's like, "Oh, hey, you're mine now." Uh, uh, and the way he like puts his hand over her mouth mouth mm-hmm. like yeah. Ah, 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 ah. Yeah. there was a sequel right do we does he die what, horribly in a sequel or no you know what i've never seen the two jakes i haven't either it, it was There's a sequel yeah, yeah. there there how did you was, know that it was planned as three films oh and, wow yes yeah, so uh, only two were made uh two jakes was actually directed by nicholson if i remember right huh. many many years later interesting but yeah yeah that's um I can only hope, my one hope, though I'll be able to sleep tonight if I can imagine in a sequel, it's all about, well, if it, I guess if John Houston was still alive. I mean, he's such a great actor, so it's terrible to wish bad things on him, but his character... Should totally die. 
It's a horrible thing oh, should happen horrible for thing the entire length of the movie, and it to would John be John Houston's character. Yeah. Yes. Bad things happen to Noah Cross. That's what we wish for. Yes. Yes. All mm. over the damn yeah. place, and soon. Yes. Noah Cross. I never realized his name was so kind of biblical. Yeah, and it, that was. Huh. Um... <laughs> oh God! Water rights. Ha, uh-huh. Noah. Uh-huh. Ha. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I just Funny. got that. Funny that. Funny. That was yeah, yeah. It, it's a tight script, and there it's, it's just loaded uh, with all of these little references and the way it weaves through mm-hmm. and like. Because I remember the first time I watched it, I was really confused. Yeah, I'm like what the hell does he care about this rock? Like I didn't get that he was looking at the water part yeah. of the mm. riverbed. I just like. He's standing... Why is this water dude standing in the middle of a rocky place? Like, what is this thing with rocks? Yeah. And then I didn't get, like... It took me until, like, the very end of the movie to get that the guy who was working for the water department was there with Cross at her house at the end. Mm -hmm. Like, that it was the same guy. And, like, I followed it much better this time. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. Yeah. When it, yeah, when it comes down to it, the uh, oh, I forget the guy's name. A guy was killed or murdered. Um, uh, uh, Holloway, Hollis, Mulroney, Mulway. I want to call it Mulroy. Mulberry. Yeah, that guy. Mulberry. The guy with not bifocals. Is he kind of like the only good character in a way? Because he isn't he. Like no, a, I think well, Faye I think, Dunaway's good. Yeah, because she didn't do anything. Mm. She just got molested and had a kid That's and true. tried yeah. to hide You're the right. kid yeah. from the molester. So. Yeah, and she so was she was doing all her best. To yeah, all the good the characters die. All the good yeah, totally. characters die terribly. Okay. It, mm-hmm. Well, yeah, because Jack oh. Nicholson's not a good guy. Yeah, and he uh, admits to that. He's kind of like, yeah, and he's also very cynical about everything and assumes the worst of everyone, and then he's it's right. right. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think he's he's kind of a, a you know Chandler hero where he's um, he's not a great guy, but I mean he he like generally aims to yeah. do the right thing, well, yeah, but soon he, as he in does the it in shop. weird cagey ways. He's been, as... oh, who was that? Oh, that one private dick guy that we watched. That just beat somebody over the head for following him into an alley. Oh God! Oh, that was, was it, like uh, Rick Danger or something like that. <laughs> that that was a Mike Hammer movie. That was, yes, Mike Hammer. Yeah, that was that. Oh, mm. that was not, Kiss Me Deadly. He's not that bad yeah, of a he's guy. Not, he's well, not, yeah, he doesn't have a mean streak in him. I don't think. No, because like, but he, you know, he's jaded. His yeah. his whole life is about you know following people up and mm-hmm. and showing them at their worst to the people that care about them yeah, and... he's he's very cynical but you know his his downfall is he doesn't see the full picture until it's way too late and it, which was his why he left chinatown yeah and and it happened again yeah yep. Uh, Which is why the movie's called Chinatown, even though, like, one scene happens yeah, there. Yeah, one scene, and uh, he actually speaks Chinese, though, which I thought was cool. Yeah. At least I'm assuming he did, because whatever he said, I didn't understand it. And James Hong, like, answered him so, and looked really <laughs> surprised, so I'm guessing it was Chinese. If he would have been a bit less cynical and assumed the best in Faye Dunaway, would it all gone better, or no? I don't think so. Yeah. Uh, because mm. it's a noir. Huh. Partly because it's a noir, <laughs> but also partly because I don't think, I don't think, I think it, for it to have gone better, Faye Dunaway would have had to believe more in herself. 
because she's so ashamed of what happened to her and what mm-hmm. she's gone through mm-hmm. that it gets in her own way. I mean, part of the reason why she's probably had affairs or, you know, because I believe mm-hmm. that part. Mm-hmm. Like, that Hollis was mad at her for having affairs, not necessarily that he did. So, I mean, I think to to get over that, she would have needed to be much more confident in her own abilities and stuff. And I think that would have helped her better because she could have come out with this stuff at the beginning and then he wouldn't have mistrusted her. Mm-hmm. But... Then again, you know, she, it is the last secret she needs to keep, she doesn't know whether to trust him. Mm -hmm. And I mean, indeed, he did meet with her father without telling her. Yeah. That's true. Because that really freaked her out. Oh, yeah. Fuck out. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's interesting watching this movie um, when you've already seen it once. Yep. Because watching her is amazing throughout the movie when you know what the end point is Mm -hmm. because then you get to watch her weave her way and trying to you know guard herself and you know ultimately guard her daughter from this whole thing so an interesting thing that i just thought about the more she comes unhinged the less hat she wears interesting because in that first scene you see her, she is totally like covered, like hat, like all, like you can't see her hair at all. Yeah. And the end, she's got no, like no hat on whatsoever. Her hair is all kind of bigger and floofier than it has been. Mm-hmm. So her hats are restraining her psyche in some kind of fashion. I don't know. Maybe. It's a costuming choice thing that I'm saying yay costumers for. Because I'm sure it was intentional. Yeah, but like she's just getting more and more disheveled, essentially. Hmm. But she's not. She's not ever disheveled. But but, you know, like relatively disheveled because she is like pristinely put together. I guess. Yeah. Okay. You know, like her lipstick is perfect. Her she has the penciled on eyebrows. Yes, she does. Everything is just perfectly quaffed. But she's still perfectly quaffed at the end, except for the hole in her head. Yeah. Which, well, by that the tends way, to be a yay, big game makeup. Yeah, that that was really impressive awesome makeup. makeup. It's something that I never really noticed until seeing it on the big screen. By the way, listeners, if you have a chance to see Chinatown Holy in an actual shit. theater, yes, it's it's a completely different experience because um, the other times I've seen it were, you know, just off of home video, and it, this is a movie where it really is nice to be kind of trapped with because the sound it envelops you and the um this was a really pretty print that we were watching too the the colors are just this lush you know and the outlines too like the whole time i'm sitting there watching the like stitches on jack nicholson's nose yeah like peek over the edge and like change his silhouette and just like make it not so pretty as it is at the very beginning and like did we all get really really tense when they started kissing it's like oh don't bump his nose don't bump his nose ah don't (laughs) no i was trying to figure out whether he was using tongue or not it was a big chance if you think about it from decide to have the the lead character have a giant face wound for a good percentage of the movie yeah not a risk that that current movies would, would take i feel Although it, you know, Jack Nicholson was kind of that that actor. Yeah, he was during that era. I mean, this was nineteen seventy four, and you know, Easy Rider was, was what sixty nine before Cuckoo's Nest. Cuckoo's Nest was 
well, I want to say that was 71 okay. or 69, somewhere in there. Um, so I believe this is after Cuckoo's Nest, if okay. my timeline in my head is right. So he was already very renowned as an actor by this point. You know, he had already done five easy pieces and, and hmm. things like that. But he, he was kind of this new generation coming up of these really masterful actors. And so this was um, just one of a long string of films where he, he, he was willing to do the faces disfigured thing or, you know, he was an all in he's, actor. He's almost the new Brando in a kind of way. Yeah. And we kind of forget that. Yeah. Because mm. like through the seventies and part of the eighties, you know, he was the, the powerhouse actor. Yeah, he was. And then I, I feel like after that, he started becoming kind of a parody of himself. He well, became he, a celebrity rather than an actor. Once she hit Winters of Eastwick, I love the witches. I love it too, but that's like I I think that's almost a line mm-hmm. because that's when Jack becomes Jack. Yeah, with the with the sunglasses. And yeah, the, this this is the you, you cast Jack Nicholson as Satan to be Jack Nicholson. Yeah, just yeah. Just being Jack Nicholsony. And then it, it, it almost becomes like yeah, it almost becomes that character becomes character Jack Nicholson, sure. right? Was Jack like it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so he became a celebrity, and and it's not like he didn't have good roles after. Oh that. no! I mean, you know, he did. Uh, yeah. However, you feel about about Schmidt or or uh, as good as it gets. Yes. Mm-hmm. But and you know he he certainly is worthwhile. I mean, he still watch. has stuff or oh, had. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, I think departed. he's officially yeah. retired now. Yeah, but so. every every so often he pops up and yeah. something. So. But I mean, like, yeah, like mm. he's he's never been without talent, right? He's just it's just whether he's how it's been wielded. I think yeah is a good way to put it. And he is wielding the fuck out of it in this movie. Oh yeah, yeah, and he's kind of a perfect noir actor. I know right because you know even those Jack Nicholsonism is he's got kind of that grating voice and yep. uh, the the kind of weird uh cadence to it it's like oh oh he he's a noir detective oh hell yeah and he didn't change anything about the cadence of his voice or anything like that it's like oh no this works this well, is like it yeah, kind of <laughs> like, perfect part of my favorite parts about jack nicholson coming uh-huh. through in this character was when he's telling the dirty joke oh god yes and then when they're at the the old people home yeah and he's <laughs> the delivery on that line about Jewish people. Yeah. When he does the turn, I'm like, or the, that is brilliant. Because or the, that not, is exactly what I'd hoped you would say. Yeah, because like not everybody could pull that turn off. Right. Well, not only did he pull that off, but think about how he looked. Like he'd just been beat up. Like his clothes were just filthy. Yep. Yeah. He was just like out of a gutter look to him. And he was able to just pull off of like, I'm an elite snob and, you know, mm-hmm. trust what I say. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, or, you know, one of my favorite bits in the film is just, he just laid down in bed, in <laughs> his phone. own bed, and the phone <laughs> rings, and it's, and it's that, he does the exasperated thing, so I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> 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 just, just that, I hate everything in the world right now, hmm. side eye to the, to the phone, and I love that <laughs> scene so much, but. He but has yeah. amazing pajamas. He does. I kind of want some. Those, those are nice pajamas. With Faye Dunaway's robe. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah. That, that was pretty great, too. Yeah. <laughs> Faye Dunaway, uh, another powerhouse actor yes, she of, was. of the era. Hmm. Um, 
few years prior to <laughs> Mommy Dearest. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. But, uh, you know, Bonnie and Clyde was also kind yep. of in this oh, era, yeah. and, and uh, she was magnificent in that. And uh, yeah, Network was Sony's? Network, yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't think, wasn't that 75? Network was about 75, yeah. I wanna, right. So I want to say it was after that. Sort of after. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. But yeah, no, she was killing it. Oh yeah, she's magnificent oh, yeah. to watch. Three Days of the Condor, right? Also seventies. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Yeah, she did a ton. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. She had no shortage of work. That's for sure. Oh, we're getting visited by the Max dog. So if you hear, if you hear a dog running around in the, in the studio, here's Max. Hi. Hi. Oh, hello. <laughs> go on. Go outside. Outside. It's okay. No, Meanwhile, the, oh, the director was Polanski. Yes, yes. Roman Polanski. So. Is this pre Manson family or post? Post. Post. Was this pre or post those other legal problems? This was the last movie he made in the U.S. Ah, and then he fled. Yeah, ah, and having the weird thing about the molester with the young girl. Well, I mean, I I believe that part was actually from Robert Town, the uh, the screenwriter. But uh, Town and Polanski did wind up collaborating a lot on the script after it had. First, no, first I just I just meant like I couldn't oh, I stop thinking about Polanski's problem when I'm sitting there watching oh. John Huston creep on the little girl. Yeah. <laughs> well, Polanski's problem. He, he fucking raped a thirteen year old kid. So yep, yeah. he probably yep. Yeah, yep. so was he, did he make this movie? He's like, oh, happy ending, all right, write that off. No, um, he did the ending. That was his ending. Mm. Um, and, uh, you know, trivia I've, I've seen about it is, like, he was pretty distressed about, lose, you know, the murder of his wife, which happened mm. in Los Angeles. Yeah. He returned to Los Angeles to make this movie. Yeah. He, he was like, oh, I want to make this movie. I don't want to go back to... LA but I guess I have to so I Hmm. Polanski I there are so many thoughts um you know on one hand this guy has had a terrible terrible life Mm -hmm. like uh you know he was born in he was Polish but he was born in France in the early 1930s which mean it you know Jewish yeah which Mm -hmm. is a problem during yep. that era of history, yeah. and uh, he did wind up uh, with his parents in the Krakow, the Krakow uh, hmm. ghetto. Um, and then his parents got split up to separate concentration camps. Uh, his mother died in Auschwitz. His dad survived the war. Um, Polanski, I think, I think he got out for a while but he wound up being used as target practice by the nazis at age 12 hmm. and that sort of thing but wow. if you know he survived the war of course um uh, was reunited with his father then wound up being with relatives and nearly beat him to death like he had a fractured skull from that and then hmm. uh you know, eventually when he was an adult, he started making movies in Poland, and uh, his early Polish movies are really remarkable. Like, Knife in the Water is kind of a hell of a thing. But then he came over to the U.S. and started making movies, and, um, you know, got Rosemary's Baby, and yep. Repulsion, and hmm. this, and um, just this amazing filmmaker. And then, of course, in 1969, I think it was, yeah, Manson Murders... His wife Sharon Tate was, yep, 
one of the people murdered. And, yeah. I never remember if he was supposedly a target. Like, if they thought that he was going to be there, too. I'm not sure. Um, I believe that they were just going after wealthy families. They yeah. had they had this whole elaborate plan of making a race war. They felt that they would rob wealthy white people and then plant evidence in black neighborhoods as if that would create a whole bunch of... Right, right. Yeah. Um, and so I don't think that they were that strategic. I think it was just that bad was luck the house to all who, who were there. there. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, it was like four people in the house that got murdered. Yeah. And, yeah. That was also the house that, that Helter Skelter was written yes. in, right? Yeah. I believe if so. I, yeah. yeah. Or at least it wasn't a TV movie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, so anyway, then, you know, it, he, of course, had the, I don't know, the, uh, the, I keep wanting to say issues. No, he fucked up. He 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 raped a thirteen-year-old kid, um, mm. and then fled the U.S. And what is interesting to me about well, there are a lot of things interesting to me about his career. You know, since he continued making movies outside the U.S. and you know, often there are still very good movies. Like The Pianist is an amazing film, and you know in spite of what he did i don't have the problems watching his movies that i do watching woody allen movies i I think part of that is because he's not putting people raping 13 year old kids in his movies very often whereas woody allen is kind of like hey everybody this is me look at me creep on this girl yeah i like him young yeah and whereas whereas there's definitely the the element of the the young girl who was molested in this one in this more than any it's kind There's, of all about rape, really. It, it, it kind of is, but the thing is, in his movies, at least, like, this is a movie that's sympathetic to mm-hmm. yeah. Ray Dunaway. It's like, this is a terrible thing that happened to this poor woman. Yeah. Where, whereas Woody Allen is, like, celebrating oh, his weird Oh, what was that line John Houston had? He was like... Because Jack Nicholson's like, wait, you blame her for this? Yeah. And John Houston was like, well, I don't blame myself. Ugh. And I just, I just about threw up. I was like, oh god. But but the but the thing is that it's meant to be horrible. I know it is, and yeah. it worked really yeah. well. Yeah, exactly. And and you know, going back to Polanski, you know, a lot of especially like his earlier films, um, female characters are. There's a lot of sympathy to female characters. I mean, you've got Rosemary's Baby, which, oh, yeah. you know, this poor woman is put through the meat grinder in terms of emotional yep. torment. But Well, she gets raped, too. She does, by Satan, hmm. which is pretty terrible. But it's it, this movie, it centers entirely around her, yep. and it is about her plight. Or, you know, Repulsion is very much the same thing. It's this this woman who is so in, wrapped into her, her anxiety that she basically barricades herself into an apartment and builds her own horrors. Just, it, it it's a fascinating movie if you haven't seen it. But, um, yeah, and so, like, like I said, I'm... For as terrible as Polanski can be as a human being, he still makes very good movies. And the other thing to remember is, like, this is a movie that was made by, you know, 
hundreds of people. Yeah, and like it's, it's not, not it's just not just him. Polanski. Mm-hmm. It's it's everybody on their A game. It's Robert Town and it's it's Jack Nicholson. It is I Faye wanna, Dunaway and I want and James fucking Hong. Yeah. <laughs> Tia Carrere's dad in Wayne's World 2. Yes. <laughs> and Lopan from yes. Big Trouble in Little China. <laughs> uh, from Minneapolis, Minnesota. Mm-hmm. I did not know that. He yeah. is. That's he so is awesome. Yeah, he's Yay! awesome. <laughs> and, we win. Yeah. He was also in Blade Runner. Yes, he oh, was. Yeah. He's, I mean, he's in so many things. His IMDb is just like... It's huge. And tons oh, of geeky things. Like, you know... Oh, yeah. Yeah, he needs to go to Convergence. Oh, he's a nerd. He's he's so much yeah. fun. Oh, so yeah. It, but the, the the people who all worked on this, this is just a... One of those movies where just everything seems mm-hmm. to have gone right. Surprise Higgins! Surprise Higgins! Higgins uh-huh. was great. <laughs> Oh, now I'm going to blank on the actor's name. But yes, uh, yes, Higgins I, from Magnum P.I. shows God up. God damn it. I specifically looked at it in the right? credits to go, don't forget Higgins' name. But mm. Burt Young, who is Pauly yes. from Rocky, shows up yes. for a little while. And, oh, yeah, yeah. There, there were a few of them. Oh, that, that guy. I want to say that the, the secretary of the water department, Yeah, she has been in stuff, too. Yes, and I forgot to look up where she was from, but she's magnificent. <laughs> oh, I love that scene with her and Jack. <laughs> yeah, the the two of them just waiting each other out. <laughs> Which, and she finally realizes, oh fuck, I fucked it up. I said all the things that I wasn't supposed to say without realizing it, uh-huh. and she's like, "You might as well let you in." Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Her outfit was pretty cool too. It was. It was a nice dress. I could definitely see like a Joan Crawford or uh not Rita Hayworth. Lauren McCall could probably have done Faye Dunaway's part. Like if Yeah, if if this was actually made during the nineteen forties. Yeah, the weird thing mm. was I, I was replacing Faye Dunaway in my head, but I would never replace Jack Nicholson. Well, it's so much about Jack Nicholson as an actor. Yeah. I mean the the script was written with him in mind. Really? Yeah. Oh, that's cool. I didn't yeah. know that. Yeah. I'd see Humphrey Bogart do it, mm-hmm. if it was an earlier time frame. <laughs> yeah, interesting movie. The um, oh, what, what tangent was I going to go on? I can't remember. I oh, I was going to go back to Polanski. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh. cameo. Another yes, cameo. I forgot about that. Yeah, Polanski does show up in the movie. He and is Kitty Cat. Yeah, <laughs> as the creepy little wormy guy with the knife who slashes. Jack Nicholson's nose. He does. And uh, once again, that's that's one of the scenes that most people take away from this movie is like being the most indelible, the, you know, the cut in the nose. And uh, apparently that was achieved by uh, the, the knife had a hinge in the middle of the blade. So, you know, you could stick it up the nose and flick it away and, nice. and spurt of blood. Uh Polanski and the guy who designed the special effect got so tired of explaining how it was done after the movie that they started just saying they'd just actually cut Jack Nicholson's nose. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but see, and that wouldn't surprise me either. Because mm-hmm. like, you hear the stories about um, Mark Hamill and why he was hung upside down yeah. for from Hoth. Because of the car accident, and it was like, oh, well, maybe Jack Nicholson just, like, 
you know. Well, I mean, there's yeah, real kind of self shaving and there's yeah. real brutality that happened in it though. Like Faye Dunaway is actually like slapped around. Yeah, so you could, you could the... believe that. Like, oh yeah, and we yeah. cut my nose because we had to. I mean, they they went for it. Yep. Yeah. Well, and Dunham, Dunaway was very method, so she was the one who requested that Nicholson actually yeah. slap her. Like and that doesn't surprise me. Yeah. It, the the thing, it, one of the things that sets Chinatown apart um, is just kind of the raw brutality of it. Because mm-hmm. when it gets brutal, it, it it gets brutal, but it doesn't wallow in it. Yeah, which is nice. Mm. But it when you get to the parts where like just just even the. Um, like the, the lettuce? Fist, the fist fight. Or, oh, God, the lettuce. The the fist fight outside of the retirement home. Yes. Where mm. they're just slamming each other up against pillars and doors. And, but, you know, when you see those types of scenes played out in most movies, you just kind of go, oh, yeah, they're having a fist fight. Here, we were in an entire audience going, yeah. Uh. Well, and just, oh. I think part of that was the sound. The sound really works. They, like, yeah. Most of the time you do fist pumps and it's like, oh, it's the same like sound all the time. Mm. I felt like the the soundscape was mm-hmm. varied enough that Surprising like, oh, punchy sounds. that yeah. was his actual kidney. That yeah. was an actual like rib. Like it, it, the way it, and I don't know if it was just the, the version that we saw or whether... My TV had crappy sound when I watched it the first time, but like possible. I mean, <laughs> like uh, when he goes to check out the reservoir in the middle of the night, and he's walking along the fence, and you hear him crunch mm-hmm. in the in the gravel, and I was just like, I've heard that in my own, but it was like was better than mm-hmm. of than other foley that I've heard or yeah. something. Like I don't know. Hmm. Or that, or that, you know, the scene with the lettuce on the floor oh, when he, he goes into the house and it's just the dripping water. Yep. Mm-hmm. And it, it just works so well to heighten the tension of that, just that persistent, annoying noise in the background that just, yep. as, as he's discovering all these horrible things that. Speaking yeah. of water. Yes. Water. What it's a- interesting watching this movie after a great big drought has been hitting California for like oh, yes. five years. Not only that, but the whole Dapple pipeline thing. Oh, and God, like, yeah. I mean, water rights are seriously becoming a huge thing. Well, yeah. Not just in places where you don't have, like, water around. Right. Like, Flint, Michigan is still having water issues uh-huh. since 2014. Uh-huh. Like... People are finally starting to realize how important it is and realize that running water is not something that just happens. Yeah. And realizing, seeing this movie, it just makes me even more mad Mm -hmm. because it's like how more, how many more people have been fucking with shit that we just don't even know about. Oh, yeah. But, but, I mean, even in the the time frame that this movie is set, though, that Mm. was a major concern of Los Angeles. Yeah. Because a lot of the water rights events that are described in this movie were things that actually happened. No, I know. That's why why it pisses me off is because this was not fiction. mm -hmm. People were fucking, like, people were like, no, I own the water and you can't Mm -hmm. have any. Or the, the, uh... The, the broken dam that was referred to early on in the movie in the planning meeting, like there was an actual dam that was built by a self-trained engineer <laughs> uh, above Los Angeles. And uh, it 
it ruptured in 1928 and it uh, killed 450 people. And then there was also that, that dam that was, um, goodness, it, <sighs> William Mulholland, I think, was the real guy who built a dam that uh, uh, basically brought water to Los Angeles, but it filled the entire Owens Valley. It was this mm. big major thing. Oh, that, is that where the city is buried? Yeah. Under the reservoir or yeah. in the reservoir or whatever? Yeah. Uh, it's also interesting to me that this this also is a reflection of kind of what became the huge power to be in California today, agribusness, right? Like oh, yeah. it was all about the the burgeoning of that in the forties of mm-hmm. what you know when they're yeah. referencing. But like in the seventies when it was made is when you could kind of see agribusness is kind of taking over and they're taking the water rights, um and and kind of I mean it, it's a it's an interesting thing to me. As as a commentary about, I mean, it, it was a small little subplot in there that he goes out to a farm and the farmers are kind of like, so our wells are being poisoned, our land's being taken away, and it's kind of glossed over, but you not, might not realize that this is a story about small towns in America dying, right, mm-hmm. and the change of agriculture from mm-hmm. family small farms to agribusiness and that's been kind of painted in our history as a oh yeah it was just a modernization and it just need less people on farms but that people were dispossessed of their farms they needed to be made to go under in order for huge businesses and power brokers to take over all those farms and put those all together in one giant corporate farming mechanism right Mm -hmm. yeah and then a lot of people act like oh that was just a natural path of business that corporations would form and do that when really no people were fucked people were killed Mm -hmm. people were beaten people like houses and buildings were set on fire because they did the same thing in uh no country for old men with the oil business where they'd sell they they'd tell people oh you have oil under your land and give us your land rights and then take all the oil out from under them from a well on a different property. Mm-hmm. And then their land was was worthless. And so the oil company could come back and buy it up for nothing. Mm-hmm. Like it's, it's, it, people just think, oh, that's just, you know, people being smart. No, that's no. people being dicks. Mm-hmm. People are being dicks. In uh, in the field of geography, which is the field that I that I am a specialist in, um, there's David a, is a professional. I am professional <laughs> geographer. Um, but in economic geography, uh, geographers look at uh, the market economy and capitalism capitalism in a very kind of realistic way, and so they see well how do how do wealthy people of the world accumulate all the money that they have, and the term is is just. Uh, um, accumulation by dispossession by, well, you could be a capitalist and have a bunch of money. You could try to make more money by like, uh, interest rates and fees and through factories, but there's just all right dispossession. There's just outright, we're going to take all your stuff Mm -hmm. and we're going to do it in some legal mechanistic way that you can't do anything about it. And it was a way, if you think about it, to take a whole bunch of Americans who, were kind of independent and had self-sustained small farms and to make it so that they kind of de facto have to work in factories. They have to be dispossessed of their land and they have to 
move out of rural areas out so that's why small town america died 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 and because they all had to then move to big <sighs> cities and work in factories taking away the means of production from the proletariat exactly <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. sorry i suddenly take us to like marxist <laughs> podcast land um oh, join yeah. me all welcome when... to real education marxism uh <laughs> you know next week we'll be interviewing leon trotsky and uh asking him what it feels like to have that axe in his head yes huh. wasn't it an ice pick it was it was uh, that's right i i misquoted the play i was in <laughs> But I, I really do think this is a metaphor. So think about the the main character, Noah yeah. Cross, right? He's a character who literally, I take what I want. Well, I think that's metaphorical in this movie as far as capitalist as a class. Just mm. taking what they want. If they yes. want it, they'll take it. And rape is often a metaphor in movies yep. and stories, and it's literal and figurative here, right? Yeah. yeah. And, the, you know, even the ending of he gets away with it. Yes, he does. Uh-huh. Yes. Because he's rich. Because he's rich and white. Well, yep. because it's Chinatown. Because the powers that be will do what they want, and that's just the way it goes. You just... Yeah. And it's it's kind of sad, because in a way, it seemed to me in the story, it's like, where can they go for justice? Oh, they're going to go to Chinatown. Maybe that's a metaphor for we have to go to to the, the place of the oppressed, because that's where we can maybe get justice. But it's like, nope. Nuh-uh. Yeah. I mean, because... I, I think in the movie, it, it, Chinatown is more of a... You know, since that's where Jake came from and he kind of vaguely describes it as this is a place of corruption yeah you know the police force was corrupt there so um uh, going back to chinatown is like going into the den of the lion for, well as soon as in he, a way as soon as he hears the address yeah where dude lives like yeah. he knows he's going back to exactly where he started yeah like i tried to save the girl but it got her hurt anyways mm-hmm the whole the whole conversation that uh, Jake and um, uh, Faye Dunaway have in bed together. Oh like, yeah, that 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 discussion is so interesting. After you've seen the movie once already, hmm. <laughs> because it's like exactly it's like this is the rest of the film yep. mirrored in your conversation right here. Yep. Like I said, it's a tight script. I need to see it again. Yeah. Yeah, it's great. Uh, yeah, Robert Town uh, is also the guy who wrote the first couple of Mission Impossible movies. Oh, and, you know, okay. Days, huh. Days of Thunder and stuff like that. But he won an Oscar for the script. Good. Uh, there were ten other Oscar nominations, but he was the one who won for the for the script. So Yeah, I thought I'd read Town. somewhere that, was it the script is considered like the perfect script or something, or something that is oh, yeah, in classes everywhere or something like that? Yeah, it, it's... it's uh, Pretty much a template for film class 101, you know? Mm. <laughs> film Screenwriting 101, I'd say. Yeah, it's well-structured. The The dialogue is in, endlessly interesting and um, lays out the characters very well. And like I said, you know, and upon rewatching it, you catch these details that worked completely differently on the first time through. It's, it's such an interesting movie to watch. It was interesting to me, they also, when he talked about the city of Los Angeles itself was just going to start annexing counties yeah. as a way to incorporate them into themselves. Uh, it's kind of interesting because cities used to do that a lot more than they they do now. As soon as, in California and L.A., as soon as the suburbs started getting wealthy people in them, 
then the main cities couldn't annex places anymore because the suburbs, they wouldn't allow big cities to annex them because that is where Chinatown is. And so mm -hmm. they didn't want to be a part of that kind of a thing, you know? Right, right. It does uh, explain why Los Angeles proper is so freaking huge. It's yeah. Just, it's enormous. Yeah. I did love the record scene. Because yeah. I've done records, and that just made me laugh. <laughs> it's rip. <laughs> like, I really should be mad at him for doing that. It's like, oh my god, the plot book. <laughs> yeah, those are important. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But a, an acne guy is going to throw a fit. Ha! Acne guy. Acne guy. Very important acne guy. <laughs> I kind of want an interview with him and the and the cop that uh, flips his nose. Oh yeah, the the and, one cop cameo dude. Yeah. Yeah. After um, after Jake Escobar or Lou Escobar leaves and yeah. is like, you know, I I where the pictures I'm going to withhold you and they go out to see where the water's not coming out and Jake is like, you know. Oh well, it's not the right time. It only comes out at night, and they don't believe him. Mm -hmm. And so that one cheeky cop who doesn't yeah. have any lies is just sitting there, and he just looks it, at Jack Nicholson and flips his nose. his nose. I'm like, how how much did he enjoy getting away with that, <laughs> and how much did Jack Nicholson fuck with him afterwards? Because he is like got this shit in and grin because mm -hmm. he knows Jack Nicholson can't do anything during the take. Yeah, hmm. yeah. <laughs> like that I would yeah, fly on the wall for that <laughs> yeah yeah it, apparently uh, um, Roman Polanski and, and Jack Nicholson would get into terrible fights in the movie actually uh, Polanski also got into terrible fights with Faye Dunaway uh, as well he, he was a he's a difficult director it, yeah uh, but uh <laughs> There's this beautiful piece of trivia that can only be summarized by Roman Polanski shattered Jack Nicholson's portable TV with a mop. What? <laughs> one of the fights. <laughs> Took a mop and smashed the portable TV. Uh, Jack Nicholson apparently had a portable TV on set to watch Lakers games. <laughs> well, that doesn't surprise me. Yeah, some things never change. Huh. <laughs> right? <laughs> I just can't imagine getting in a fight where you break things. Is that something that used to be more common, or is that just a Polanski thing? Yeah, that that I think that's a Polanski thing. Oh, yeah. and with a mop. Yeah, Why would I, you go? There's a mop there. I'm gonna break things. Probably with this because mop. there wasn't a thing. Another thing. There, there wasn't another thing there. There was, was only like, a mop. There was a mop. There was a mop in the TV. I need a thing. To a break mop this is TV. a thing here. Crash. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I'm sure he didn't want to use his hands. Probably not. Probably not. Because those are important. Yeah, it was handy. Because Jack tidies up a lot, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> now, I've got this image of Jack Nicholson dressed like Carol Burnett in her mop lady. Oh, yeah. yeah. Just know? watching the Lakers and just mopping Just mopping the floor with the, the Carol Burnett theme playing in the background. Oh, that's that's in my head canon now. That makes me so happy. <laughs> and then he, you know... Uh, you know, he's here when it's time to end the show, and, and, that's, and that's it. And then he puts on sunglasses and leaves. Yeah, he puts on sunglasses and, and goes and watches the Lakers game. 
Now you said this was supposed to be a trilogy. Did they write all three, or is are they? You know books? what? I I don't know. Uh, I, I mean, there was probably an outline for the other two, but it, it, I think the two Jakes came much later. I feel like, like it did. I, I want to like say it was eighties or something. Yeah, I was like gonna that. say because he didn't direct a lot. No, no. Although I mean, Jack Nicholson had has had some odd tangents to his career. Like he wrote a monkeys movie. He wrote Head. Oh. He was the writer of Head, which is one of the trippiest, most bizarre I've always heard about it. I haven't seen it. It's bonkers. Wasn't that crazy director too? Was it Nicholson or someone else? Oh, God. Who directed that? Oh, no. That's not going to be in my brain. But I do remember huh. Tony Basil, as in oh, oh Mickey, you're so fine, has a dancing sequence in that movie, and uh, Frank Zappa just shows up and like you do, yeah, like you do, and you know hmm. it's the monkeys. Huh. So uh, it's crazy. I'm gonna have to watch that again because again, it's, it's insane. Yes, I have seen Head. Oh yes, <laughs> I've heard it's oh, really good. It's it is it you is know? very entertaining. And I, I like the monkeys growing up. That's some of the generation that I watched them and thought they're enjoyable and didn't realize that they were a kind of contrived effort to redo the Beatles or something. But and and they were, but um, I think they became a pop culture phenomenon unto themselves. I kind of like so the too. the absurdist quality. They yeah had. oh yeah. But uh, you know, pop pop quiz. What was Jack Nicholson's first movie that he's acted in? Yeah. Oh, um, um. It wasn't the one where he was in the dentist office. Yeah, it was. Was it? <laughs> it is Little Shop of Horrors. The, the TV original, one. The, the TV show, black and white one. It's not. A t- not it wasn't a TV, a TV show. show. It wasn't. It was. It was a B movie. It was directed by Roger Corman. Wait, it was a theatrical release. Oh yeah. yeah. I thought it was like a Twilight Zone hour special kind of movie. No, 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 no. The original Little Shop of Horrors was filmed in like two days by Roger Corman. No, I knew it was real, but I just thought that it was like you know how the um. It was just super Casino Royale with Jimmy Bond. Yeah, I thought it was that was TV that kind of a thing. No, no. Oh, that makes it even cooler. Yeah, right. And so um, people who grew up in the 80s might, you know, know the, the musical version with Rick Moranis and, you know, he, uh, Jack Nicholson played the Bill Murray role. Mm-hmm. <laughs> have you have you seen the director's cut of Little Shop of Horrors? The, the first one or the second one? Uh-oh. Uh-oh. The one that's uh... <laughs> the, the the one with the, the dark ending and the, yeah. the, the, the whole oh! thing was invaded by plants. the when I when I, I uh, when I babysit, I showed them that version <laughs> for the first. <laughs> oh. That was the first time they ever saw. And they, at the end, I was kind of like, maybe this will go over interesting. We'll see what their reactions are. And they're like, "Why did you show us this movie? We liked most of it, but now we hate it." <laughs> I'm like, "Well, okay." We're, yeah. we're, it's like Grimm's fairy tales. You're inoculating them against the horrors of the world that they'll see? learn about uh, yes. later on. So forget it, Jake. It's Chinatown. So, oh, uh, oh, oh, yes, we didn't yes, talk yes. about cars yet. Oh, that's right. What there. the Packard? Yeah, that Packard. Cleaning <laughs> <laughs> the Packard. Yes. Talking about soundscapes. <laughs> I know. <laughs> it's bad for the glass. Yeah. I want cars with like sideboards that you can jump on. Yeah. In a pinch. Yeah, it's like, oh, sideboards are Isn't really that handy. That's what they're good for. Yeah. Well, yeah, because bootlegging, that's... You, yep, you ride in the sideboard. That's what you did. That's right. It's mm. a Packard. <laughs> God, I want a Packard. 
Because uh, what did we let? What did we watch last time? They had Packards in in Desert Fury, didn't they? I believe so. See, believe I'm so. all about a Packard. Yeah, no, Packard's I want one. Good. I suppose Noir is going to have a lot of awesome cars. Yeah. There's so many awesome cars. There are in the, so many in the awesome cars we've been watching. <laughs> and awesome cars and awesome clothes. Yes, lots of lots of that. Mm-hmm. Even in the modern blinds, wars, I, I love I love how. <laughs> Venetian blinds were like front and center in the first scene of China. Yes. Mm. Like, I just put those in Wednesday. Yeah, you can't break those. I thought he said you can't eat them. You can't eat yes. them. That's right. That's right. <laughs> that was hilarious how he's moaning as he's looking at pictures of his wife. I was like, what is going on with that guy? <laughs> um, Polly, he, he was in the Rocky movies, right? He yeah, was... yeah, Polly. That was yeah. so funny. I bet, I wonder if this was his first movie. I think he had roles earlier than this, yeah, but he would, he's just a character actor. So, yeah. You know, he, he was just one of those guys that shows up here and there, especially in the 70s. Yeah. Especially in the 70s. You know, did you see Rodney Dangerfield back to school? Oh, yes. Yeah. I've seen it many, many times. He played times. like a th- like a tough guy <gasps> thug in it. That's right. Which is like, how does that, that make any sense? <laughs> he's not especially big, just kind of... But he's like, I'm a tough guy, he's scaring people, and he protected Robert Downey Jr. from getting beaten up by. Yeah, yeah, I remember that. <laughs> oh man. Yeah, and I think the last time I watched that movie, I had gastroenteritis, and I was in a hotel <gasps> room in Gibraltar, and there was oh, a God! there was a giant the co- giant there was a giant cockroach on top the of the TV, cockroach. just waving its antenna on me, and I, I guess it was good for reception. Wow. <laughs> but uh, like yeah. Cucaracha. Yeah. So anyway, that we're we're going far afield. <laughs> <laughs> like we do like we do like we do uh that was a very pretty print that we we watched tonight. oh it was gorgeous the the cinematography of the film is technicolor beautiful no can people rush out and go see it or is it just out this night or no it was just tonight oh. it was, yeah for for uh for the heights theater it was a one night only thing but of course the the movie is fairly easy to get yeah, oh, that's true, yeah. in your in the comfort of your own living room yeah and, and it, mean, it was up for best picture. It's, mm-hmm. It stars Jack Nicholson as well, though. Yeah, I mean, like having seen it on a TV, watching it on a TV is not bad at no, all. No, it was just like extra uber awesome on the big screen. Yeah, it's it's very nice to be trapped with that film. Yes, be, be focused on it. And you're not distracted by by your phone or. Yeah, I noticed that too. I kept on thinking about if I was watching this on TV right now, I'd be glancing to the side, but I can't, and that's good. Yeah, because now I'm I'm looking at because there are scenes where he's just standing on rocks and looking at water, and you're kind of like, and you're trapped just like Jack Nicholson, who's trapped like looking at him because he's following him. It's like I'm also trapped looking at this guy trying to figure out what are you doing looking at the rocks and the water, and it's like, well, he was actually doing something very complex. Yeah. And it and it so it makes you sit and wait and yeah. watch. Yeah. And um, one of the nice things that um, I believe it was Polanski's idea was to drop the narration that was originally supposed to be in the oh, movie. Oh yeah. And mm. so uh, Polanski's goal in filming it was to make it make the audience discover the story as Nicholson was discovering it. Mm-hmm. And Nicholson is in every single scene. So there are, there are no breakaways. Yeah, it's scenes very at much you're, him. You're, like, what is he seeing? Yeah. What is he trying to figure out? Because then we're getting all the same information. We also are, are mm-hmm. kind of 
kind of trying to figure things out. Yeah. Yeah, and and so many of the shots are like over the shoulder of Nicholson. You see so much of Nicholson's back hmm. <laughs> because you are behind him looking at, you know, the head of lettuce on the floor or <laughs> or, you know, knocking on somebody's door or, or whatever. It's you are in the in the action with him and discovering the same clues he is. So it's it's very immediate. So it's important to wait through those scenes and discover them. And the whole how cool is the glove box full of watches? Yes. That's, that's pretty cool. Yeah. And he grabs one and shoves it under the wheel of a car and that's how he knows when they left. When they left. It's I love that bit. I love it. It's so smart. He is really clever. Yeah. Like he cuz he he knows at some point he's going to be somewhere where he needs to get by someone. So he grabs a bunch of dudes. Um, the cards, yeah. The the, the business, business cards. cards. The watch thing is yeah. amazing. Like, the way, like, the pictures. So he looks like he's taking it of the other dude rowing the boat, but he's really taking it of their subject. And, like, yeah. he has a smart private eye. Mm-hmm. Like, there's a reason he's a successful private eye. Yeah, and he has two employees. and He has three doing? employees. Three employees, you're right. Oh, yeah. Don't forget Sophie. I, 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 Just because I they make her sit out in the hall. <laughs> the poor woman. Oh, God. I love how they're all trying, like, no, no. It's, uh, there's somebody in the office. Don't Shut up. Shut up. Shut up. All She's right. behind you. Okay. She's behind you. That, I, we tried to warn you. Yeah. All right, dude. <laughs> well, hello, ma'am. Uh, yeah. I kind of wanted there to be a wraparound scene so that the banker guy that he gets all pissed at yeah. in the barber shop was like actively part of the whole conspiracy thing. Like, because I mm-hmm. felt that could have been appropriate since all these people are getting foreclosed on or whatever. Mm-hmm. They're they're right being bought out of their real estate. Like I thought. Well, he did his job of delivering his part of the plot. Yeah, he did. But I just meant, like, you know... It very much fit in with the scope, scope, though, for them to talk about foreclosure. Yeah. And and it was interesting how defensive Nicholson got when the guys was judging him. Because you could tell that he also is judging himself. And that's why people get really defensive, right? If it's like you kind of believe it a little bit. Yeah. Um, Yeah. But that kind of pushback also kind of reinforced why Nicholson kind of in the rest of the movie is trying to do the right thing a bit, right? Because he's kind of like, I'm not a jerk. I'm, I'm, I'm going to show you. I'm going to be good. And, um, and yeah, if he and Faye Dunaway would have trusted each other a little bit more, a little bit sooner. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But. Yeah. Hindsight is twenty twenty. But unless you have only one eye. Oh, no. Then you're Sapphire. Or From Faye Dunaway Steven at the end of this universe. movie. Well, yeah. that too. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I do like the the banker scene in the um, in the barbershop too because it's the and having him not specifically be part of the plot because it it gives you the sense that this is the entire environment that everybody lives in in Los Angeles. Yeah. This is this goes beyond just like. A small conspiracy of people. This is the whole machinery is well being it, put yeah, into it's, motion. Yeah. It, it puts this. it in the. There is always things that you. It, it's like a whole environment. Yeah. It's, so it's not just because like 
sometimes people will talk about Star Wars or whatever and say, well, it's only about the Skywalker family and there's this whole universe and why don't they stop focusing on that? And like, you're right. If the banker isn't involved later, then it makes it easier for that to be just part of the whole random universe as opposed to like everything has to do with this one dude. Right. Right. Which is nice. So I guess I should stop complaining. See, if the movie itself, if you realize it's really about the capitalist machine, <laughs> which it is, then it all makes sense. It's not actually the story about the Skywalkers or that family. You know what I mean? It's about the machine going on in uh, But the America. rich people still get their rich stuff. That's because that's how it's the machine true. works. That's true. I that's hate the, the machine. It's trickle that's the up. Truth. It's tri- trickle up economics. It is. <laughs> the rich just keep on getting theirs more and more, and it's Chinatown. That's the way it goes. Yeah, forget, forget it, Jake. it, Jake. It's Chinatown. <laughs> I'm so defeated right now. Oh. Well, I'm gonna hope I'm gonna see the sequel, and I'm gonna hope that there's gonna be some redemption somehow. <laughs> Maybe I'll just get to drive a Packard and that'll make me feel all better. Ooh, that'd be nice. Yeah. That'd be nice. That's a smooth-ass car. It, oh, it, <laughs> it's so smooth it squeaks. <laughs> so, um, we've been talking for quite a while mm-hmm. and uh, I believe we've covered a, a massive <laughs> amount of so. information. Did we have any final thoughts at all? or uh, David? Mm. You know, I was trying to think more on metaphors. When I think I brought up all the different metaphors, though. Hmm. Yeah, it's sad. But what was what was your favorite part? My favorite part of the entire thing. That's a good question. I mean, I just liked Jack Nicholson being kind of smarmy. Maybe it was in the old folks' home when he was there, and and he's. He's he's giving a guy a run for his money a little bit, and we're trying and we're figuring out a bit more what's going on. I don't know. What about you? I think my favorite part was it's a toss up between cheeky cop guy because <laughs> I just I and it and it's not for plot or any good reason oh, yeah, it yeah, just yeah. makes me smile well it's like like me being totally in love with the scene where he's in bed and the phone is ringing. yeah yeah because yeah. it's, like, it's perfect it, it's either it's e- so cheeky phone guy and then the fade done away mm-hmm. mother sister daughter daughter sister daughter sister daughter <laughs> which i remember the first time i saw it being like oh my god shut up yeah, like we yeah. get it <laughs> because i so, didn't get it oh it, i thought it she, is so shocking though. i thought mm. she was lying oh no until she looks up and she said like the first time i saw it yeah i was like oh, shut up like mm. you're just switching back and forth mm-hmm. stop lying and like then i realized oh fuck yeah and once again the magic of being in a whole audience yes for that scene and I think a good amount of them had not Didn't seen it know. before because that scene played out. And mm. when she saw, I'm her mother and her sister, everybody goes, oh. Yep. That that revelation just swept through the crowd. Very, It was very audible. <laughs> I wonder if in a way, if uh, when this movie came out, if it's one of those movies that maybe allowed people to talk more about abuse because they could use an example in a movie. Like, was this... 
one of those films that that was it was big enough that people would also be talking about you know just like she was ashamed to talk about it as if it was her fault or she was to blame somehow and a lot of people did that i wonder if people use this movie as an example to like come out about their problems and to talk about abuse in a more upfront way yeah it's possible. I think there were movies prior to this that were broaching the subject because mm. we started getting a lot of really, yeah. Uh, you know, once Hayes Code fell, movies just kind of barreled headlong into um, subjects that they couldn't broach before. What year about did that? Yeah, uh, that was early to mid sixties. I mean, mm. it depends yeah. on which part of Hayes yeah. Code you're yeah. talking about. Yeah, yeah. Because, because like the gay parts. thing didn't fall until the very end. Huh. Yeah, like... yeah. But I mean, you, you got stuff like uh, "Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf?" <laughs> you, know, like, you know, early yeah. half of the sixties, which kind of barrels headlong into. Yeah. Um, I still haven't seen a it. lot of other. <gasps> Magnificent. There's movie. a lot of really great movies. It's if it hadn't so been for, for it's, it's one of my favorites. John Graham's movie parties, I wouldn't see any of the classics that I have. So I'm I'm behind because he stopped having party. Yeah, we can work on this. So, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it it um I I do believe this is a fairly early example of talking about stuff. Like yeah, that. no, I I yeah. think, and it's a really impactful one. Yeah. yeah, I don't know how much discussion it would engender, but I'm glad that that's out there. So yeah, because representation matters. It yeah, does. I like really it do. really does. I think it really does. I think when these things become part of the popular culture's popular culture's consciousness. Um, and like I said, people can say, "Oh, this is." Uh, there are other humans who have experienced these things. Uh, it's part of society like progressing moving forward to some extent you know and i think it's easier for that sort of representation to get out into the public in a movie like this which is a it's a thriller it's a yep. noir it's yeah. not a i'm grabbing for an oscar and right and this it's is, not this just, is a this movie is all about, about yeah. Yeah. Too. yeah it's not just this is the the story about that one wait, case. Wait, where the audience has to be you know the sort of audience that would be willing to sit through something. Although, for two hours. I, I mean, like all of a sudden, that does make me think about Polly's wife. Oh yeah, because oh, yeah. yeah. mm-hmm. you're stuck in that door frame with her. Yeah, for like a good three to five seconds. Oh, it's made. It's made very, very clear. Well, what exactly what happened? happened? But isn't it also kind of filmed in a way that it's kind of supposed to be jokey? Like, didn't it seem like it's supposed to be like, oh, we that's a callback to earlier, but he's a good guy. Like, it didn't feel of, like that. Like, of, what? I don't think it's necessarily Polanski. jokey. Mm. I no, think it's but more it, really. it is. It is a normalization yeah. of it in a certain way. I feel well, like it was. I, I don't think it's. I don't think the film's normalizing it. It's. Mm. It's. I think the film is treating it like it would have been treated in the 1940s. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. Yes, I agree with like, that. Th- that this makes is, sense. This is part of the air in 1940s yeah. America, Los Angeles, in this community. The, in 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 a lower class community yep. like this. Mm-hmm. Or, well, that, well, it happens everywhere. But yes, I know. Yeah, but the fact that it did happen, it does yeah. happen. And, mm-hmm. you know, because, Yeah. Yeah, and and you can tell, like, the look on her face, like, once again, the, a female character in a Polanski film, yep. it's like, there's yes. there's a moment of sympathy. It's, the, the reason the camera lingers on her is like, this is the consequence of what yeah. happened in this house after the, the truth came out. And I think it's actually kind of foreshadowing of what happens yeah. a few minutes later. 
Because this is the consequence. Bad things happen oh. when this when the muck is dredged up. No, yeah. well, I mean, it, a lot of women are victimized in Plansky's things. It seems. Yeah, yeah I mean, it's true. I'm kind it's of, true. I'm kind I mean, of, there are a couple of a couple of ways to. I, yeah, because one thing you could do is like, oh, well, these women have sex, uh-huh. and yeah. look, they mm-hmm. get shot through the eye or punched in the face mm-hmm. or, you know. Yeah, mm-hmm. dead. Because all all the women that have sex in the movie end up getting damaged. True. Hmm. True. Good, you know, because there's two of them. Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Depressing. Yeah, oh no. Boo. Mm. <laughs> well, you know, problematic things get to be problematic. And it's that's, true. It's that's true. fine. And then it's we true. talk about them and we learn. And, and mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. So this is good t- discussion. Oh, it absolutely yeah. yeah, and and consider this film is kind of like equidistant between us and the noir era. So there, there was like yeah. 30 years that passed before Chinatown happened. And it's looking back on this era. And we are additionally looking back another... Um, 30, math, 40, ma- math thing. yeah, math, yeah. math, uh, 43 years. Oh, Jesus. I know, right? Well, that's what I, I mean. You probably notice every now and then you'll watch something from the 80s or 90s that you liked, and it'll be like really homophobic or something. That yeah, you didn't even think about because it's like oh, yeah. I, I was 10 and I didn't realize, but like this is horrible, and that's what happens. Yeah, um, exactly. Exactly. But progress, so yay. 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 And yay, interesting movie. Yeah, and it's still oh, yeah. an interesting movie. Still, still an interesting you had me movie. me guessing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It, it, a movie that still plays 43 years after. Yeah. Two, it, that was a really full house, too. It was. Like, it was. It's, it's, it's popular. It's yeah. good. Yeah. <sighs> Be more involved in your civic government so shit like this doesn't happen. Yes. Yes. That that's a good takeaway. That's a very good takeaway. Yes. Get active. <laughs> I, I don't know. I... No, yes. It, it is very true. It's, I you know... apparently am hijacking. Support your water rights. Boy- yes. Boycott Netflix. Yes. Vote. Yes. Work against. <laughs> don't be Chinatown. Be where you stop bad people from doing things and not where you just decide they do what they want. Yes. Support the proletariat. Yes. Now I sound like I'm anti-Chinese, but they used the term Chinatown. <laughs> it wasn't... The Chinese people were all very good in it. Chi- they're good people. They're good people. James Hong. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I, want, I just want the packet read. Don't we all? Don't we all? Okay. <laughs> okay, so it's been like at least 15 minutes since I said final thoughts. Yeah. Uh, oh, oops. No, it's awesome. This is great. <laughs> we had so many thoughts on this. This is awesome. Okay, so um, I'll just wrap up by first of all saying thank you, David, for being our last minute stunt alley. Yay! Yay! Oh, we miss you, Allie. We miss you, Allie. We love you. But David, um, where can people find you online? Or oh my gosh, you, what would you like to plug? If uh... plug, uh, you could find me under uh, Captain Heck on Twitter and Facebook and places, and also under David McKay and lots of places. Or take my classes at University of Saint Thomas. Yay! Learn things. Mm. Yay! Learning things. Hooray! And so, uh, thank you, David, and thank you, Tanya. Yay! And I have been Melissa, and we will return in a couple weeks with an episode about. Alfred Hitchcock's Vertigo. Da, da, da. Yes. So, uh, so we got to find somebody who hasn't seen Vertigo. I, I feel like we could do that. Okay. We should do a double feature with High Anxiety. High Anxiety. 
Yeah, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> I can't stay up that late on a work night. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Again, bring us the truth. Bring us to the reality of, of the sadness of our existence. <laughs> the uh, corporate uh, nature of... of... <laughs> Actually, I feel like with, with Faye Dunaway here, we should do a double feature with Mommy Dearest. Ah! No! Wire! Hangers! Ah! <laughs> All right, so dear listeners, we will let you go. We will let you go on with your lives <laughs> and uh, become uh, uh, involved in public government. Yeah, yeah, yes. sure. All right, we'll vote for you. <laughs> Uh, yes yes we will tell us about your campaign we will vote for you so uh have a lovely couple weeks and we will return with an episode about vertigo so thank you bye-bye we hope you enjoy our film fixation we'll see you next time on a noir education Thank you for joining us for a real education noir. New episodes arrive on the 7th and 21st of every month. You can find our podcasts and social media feeds on our website at realedunoir.com. Special thanks to Tim Wick, Jeffrey Brown, and Chad Dutton for our theme music. If you like our show, you might also like our parent podcast, A Real Education, which discusses all genres of film. You can find it on the web at realedu.com. Thank you for listening. Until next time. Forget it, Jake. It's Chinatown. <laughs>